0: Man, it's so good to see everyone here this morning. How's everybody doing? Well, good. We have a good crowd today, and we also want to welcome those of you who are joining us online as well. We're just glad that you're able to worship with us today. As you guys can see, we are beginning really a new series today on hope. How many of you would say that there are things in this life that are overrated? Yeah, I I mean, I can think of several things that come to mind. Movies at times are overrated. I can't tell you how many times I heard that Guardians of the Galaxy, for those of you who are Marvel fans, I can't tell you how many times I heard, man, this is an awesome movie. And finally, I had an opportunity to watch this movie, all the language and everything is is cut out of it, and I got to tell you, it was terrible. I I didn't like the movie. I thought, man, this this movie is so overhyped, it's so overrated, and I'm sure that you've been to movies like that, maybe, you know, you were watching a commercial about a movie and they're talking about how the critics rave about this particular movie and then you go and see it and you walk out and say, man, what a disappointment, right? Just overrated. I think also at times restaurants can be overrated. How many of you have ever had a friend or a co say, you have got to eat at this restaurant? It is absolutely amazing. And then you go to the restaurant and it's like the worst service you've ever had in your life and the food is absolutely terrible and you walk out going, man, that was so overrated. I think oftentimes um, vacations, spots like a, a resort, a hotel can be overrated. There have been times when we've gotten online looking for, you know, somewhere to stay, and you know, you've got five stars and you've you've got people commenting, man, this is the best vacation spot ever, and you know, it's super clean and the the staff is super friendly and, and we've gone to places to where it's like, oh man, <laughs> that was so overrated. That wasn't that great at all. In fact, it wasn't real clean. In, in fact, I'll tell you this, and y'all are gonna get grossed out. It grosses me out. I'll, I'll never forget. Um, we were traveling in Louisiana, and we stayed at a hotel, and at the end of the hotel stay, we were going through just making sure that we collected all of our stuff, we pulled back the covers and at the bottom of the covers was some clothing that had been left from the last people that stayed there. And I went and told the manager, I'm like, you know, I found this in our bed and, and he just looked at me and was like, sorry. <laughs> they didn't get a good review from me. A- anyway, um, there, there are things in this life that can be just so overrated. Football teams can be overrated. Don't even want to talk about that today. (laughs) But you know what? There, There is one thing that is never overrated, and that's hope. I love what Gene Apple wrote. He said, When we get trapped in a tunnel of discouragement, it's hope that points to the light at the end. When we get stressed out, worn out, burned out, it's hope that gives us new energy. When we're tempted to throw in the towel... It's hope that keeps us going. When we lose our way and confusion throws us into a maze of uncertainty, it's hope that takes the edge off the panic. When we struggle with lingering illness, it's hope that helps us hang on through the pain. When we find ourselves unemployed, hope tells us that we still have a future. Again, there are a lot of things, man, that are just overrated and overhyped, but hope is not one of those things. I think about Peter. Peter in the New Testament was a fisherman. And he was optimistic. I mean, you, you've got to be an optimist to be in that profession, right? But one day, this fisherman. Peter encounters Jesus Christ. And man, his optimism goes out the roof. I mean, he is so excited about Jesus. That Jesus is the Messiah. And so Jesus gives him this hope. Hope for His people. Hope for His life. Hope for His own success. But then that hope is dashed when Jesus was nailed to a cross. That is until one day, three days later, at the empty tomb, an angel of the Lord says to two ladies, Mark chapter 16, verses 6 through 7, Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from what, church? From the dead. Look, this is where they laid the body. Now go and tell His disciples, including who, church? Including Peter. Isn't that interesting? Go tell Go tell the disciples and make sure that you include Peter because Peter needs to hear this. Peter needs to know, he needs to understand that there is a hope beyond failures. That there is a hope beyond the grave. And so make sure that you find Peter and you tell him that Jesus rose from the grave, that he is still alive. And then shortly after that, Peter finds himself face to face with Jesus. And it's at that moment that he begins to understand and he begins to have for the first time an unmovable, a living hope that could not be shaken. And for the rest of his life, he makes sure as many people as possible would hear the good news about this hope. In fact, if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, go ahead and turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. Peter is writing this letter to people who are experiencing Extreme persecution. I mean, to say that they were living in uncertain times was an understatement. You see, persecution during that day and time had broken, broken out against those who were followers of Jesus. And, and, and when I say persecution, I'm not talking about mass mandates and vaccine mandates... And limits on large group gatherings. When I I talk about persecution, I'm talking about being harassed. I'm talking about being placed in prison. Tortured. Some were even sawn sawn in half and, and beheaded because of their faith. And so many fled from their homes in Jerusalem and they scattered to other places just so they could find safety. And freedom. And so Peter is writing this letter to those people. Those who are experiencing persecution, those who are going through uncertain times. And what he says to these people is this, and I think this is the application for us today. No matter what happens in this life, because of Jesus Christ, we can have. An unmovable hope. And I think some of us, we we need to hear this today. Because I I think for the last 18, 19 months, we've gone through some uncertain times. We've gone through some things we've never experienced before. And, well, for a lot of us, it's, it's just been really, really tough. But yet, no matter what happens in this life, because of Jesus Christ, we can have an unmovable hope. In fact, let's start reading in verse 3. Let's just see what Peter writes. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in His great... What church? In His great mercy. In other words, He initiated this. Okay, it's not because we're so good. It's not because we're so righteous that we can be saved, right? The Bible talks about how our righteousness before God is but filthy rags. And so, in His mercy, we didn't get what we deserved, which was justice, but rather we were saved through Jesus Christ. But then he continues. In his great mercy, he has given us a new what? A new birth. Not a do over, not a second chance, not a refurbish or a remodel. No, if we're in Christ, we are new. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, what does Paul say? If anyone is in Christ, the old is what, church? The old is gone. All your past failures, all your past mistakes, your old way of life, your, your past is gone, and the new has come. In other words, listen, if you are in Christ, you're a new you. Isn't that good news? In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living. Why, church? Into a living hope, and then he He tells us where this hope comes from. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Now, I want you to really notice the two words that I have underlined here in this text: hope and resurrection. In the New Testament, the word hope occurs 71 times. Now, before the resurrection, it occurs one time. But after the resurrection, it occurs 70 times. Now, I'm not a genius, okay? But it is very clear to me where our hope comes from. Are you with me? Our hope is not based on our marital status. It's not based on our career success. It's not based on how the stock market does. It's not based on our grades. It's not based on our health. Our hope is not based on what other people think about us. Our hope is based on an empty tomb where the death-defying, grave-defeating, fear-destroying, hope-infusing Savior of the world rose from the dead to give us a living hope that can never be taken away. You know, the word hope is an interesting word. It can be used as a verb or a noun more often times than not, we use it as a verb. I hope I get this job. I hope I get this girl. I hope I get this house. And sometimes we use this word really to project some fun that we're having. Maybe I hope Alabama wins next week. (laughs) Or I hope the Patriots win today. But then oftentimes when we use that word hope, it's very serious, right? I hope she doesn't leave me. I hope he comes back. I hope I don't get cancer. But here's the deal. One day, many of us will get cancer. And if it's not cancer, it'll be something else. Because one day, illness and death will come for all of us. I mean, I don't know if you know this or not, but all of us are aging. Aging. And if you don't believe that, here's what you need to do. You need to get out a picture of you when you were in high school. Maybe go back to to one of your yearbooks. Get out that picture of you in high school and then step in front of your mirror today and just look at yourself. It's pretty discouraging. They say that by the age of 25, our bones start to get brittle. Our skin starts to wrinkle. Age spots start to show up. Some of us begin to gain weight. Some of us begin to lose hair in places we don't want to lose hair, and then we begin to gain hair in places where we don't want that hair to end up. Right? (laughs) Listen, one day, and this is the truth, everything we hope for will eventually disappoint us. Because it will wear out, give out, fall apart, melt down, and go away right? And that's the problem when hope is a verb. It feels hopeless. But as we look into this text, what Peter's saying, he actually uses hope as a noun. And it's very, very different. In fact, let me show you how if you're taking notes with me this morning, it's different In that it comes from what's behind us, not from what's happening around us. And you say, well, Slate, what exactly do you mean? Well, Peter talks about this living hope. And this living hope is based on what Jesus has already done when He overcame sin and death and raised from the dead. And so Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, that this living hope that we have in Jesus, he says, can never perish. Which means it's untouchable by death. And it can never spoil, which means that it's uncontaminated by sin or fade, which means that it can't be affected by time. And so our hope is not affected by global pandemics or getting old. No, we have a living hope that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Why? Because it comes from what's behind us, from what happened over 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins, and then three days later, He was raised to life. And all our sins were taken away. That's our hope. It doesn't come from what's going on around us because if we begin to look too closely at this world and all the stuff that's going on around us, let me tell you something, it will rob us of our hope. Here's a second difference Living Hope looks forward. And I really love this point. There is so much power in looking forward, in looking ahead. They say that the Harvard University football team, when they're getting beat and the opposition begins to gloat, that the scholarly Harvard students will begin to chant, That's all right, that's okay, you're gonna work for us someday. In a similar sense, living hope looks forward, living hope looks to someday. And it's not wishful thinking. You, you know, when we think about hope, it's, it's that wishful thinking. I, I hope this happens. But it may or it, or it may not. But, but that's not what Peter is talking about. The Greek word that he uses here for hope means confident expectation. And you say, well, in what? Look at verse 4. This inheritance that is kept in heaven. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, when the New Testament it talks about suffering and hardships, it almost always does so in light of heaven, and, and that's what Peter does. These people were suffering and and they were going through hardships and Peter points forward to the inheritance that they will have in heaven. And so don't let pandemics or politics or persecution steal your hope. Because here's the truth, this world's not your home. Your real home is in heaven. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14. And it's indescribable. And when we live with that kind of hope, man, it, it fills us with confidence. It changes everything for us. It gives us a new perspective even in hard times. Paul called me the day that Martha was to be taken off the ventilator and he asked me if I would come up and just be with the family when they did that. And so I went to the hospital and First of all, everyone went into the room with Martha and just spent their own time with her. And most of the family that was in there at one point or another began to cry. But it wasn't a cry of no hope that this is the end that it's over, We'll, we'll never see her again. In fact, after they took Martha off of the ventilator, she passed very quickly after that. And the family went back into the room and spent a little bit more time with her. And I believe that Paul was the last one out of the room And before he came out, I'll never forget what he said. He said, Martha, he said, I love you. And he said, I will see you soon. You see, that's living hope. That's the hope that Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13-18. through And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you won't grieve like people who have no what? Who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was what? And was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with Him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet Him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet call of God. And and I think oftentimes when we think about this, oftentimes we're terrified. But when I read this passage now, I think about God just calling us home. He's blowing the trumpet saying, Let's go. And he says, first the believers who have died will rise from the grave. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. And so notice what he says. What church? So what Encourage each other with these words. Do you understand that what Paul was writing here was not ever meant to be terrifying to those of you who are children of God. It was meant to be encouraging. I don't know how many of you have seen the bumper sticker, but it says, Honk if you love Jesus. Text and drive if you want to meet Him. And we chuckle at that, and, and obviously we do not want to text and drive, but here's the thing. I think so oftentimes we think that it's a bad thing to meet Jesus. But for us as Christians, this is, this is a good thing. This world's not our, not our home, and, and, and we're, we're being called to come home. And so Paul says in Colossians 3 verse 2, keep your mind set on things above, not on earthly things. Why? Because all this is temporary. While our heavenly home is, is eternal, So he says, stay focused on that. Listen, without a forever focus, without a forever perspective, we can assume that people who die... People who have disabilities, people who suffer poor health, people who are homeless, people who never find the love of their life, couples who are never able to have children are going to miss out on the best life has to offer. And honestly, that is not true. Because it assumes that this current life is all there is. And that's the opposite of what Jesus says. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If it were not so, I would have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and I will get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And John, I think, in his best human description tried to describe what that heavenly home is going to be like. Just looking at verses 3 and 4 of Revelation 21, he says, God Himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things will be gone forever. Forever. In other words, every agony, every heartbreak, every pain, every injustice, every loss will be made right and turned into unspeakable joy. This cursed earth is not all there is. Listen, the kind of hope that Jesus gives us is not a verb, it's a noun. Living hope springs from what's behind us, not what's happening around us. It's a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And that living hope looks forward to our real home in heaven, which is forever. And then one other difference Peter mentions. It helps us to see suffering for what it really is. Is Look at verse 6 and 7. Peter writes, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a what church? For a little while. You may want to underline that in your Bible. You may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You know, gold is oftentimes put through the fire. It's heated up. And it's for the purpose of burning off any impurities. That's where we get 24 karat gold. It makes it more valuable. Well, in a similar sense, when our faith is tested, and it will be tested for the last 18, 19 months, I think as Christians, we've gone through some of our greatest testing that we've ever seen during our time. And the purpose of that testing, the purpose of our faith being put through the fire is so that we will grow. So that like that gold, we will become more valuable as Christians, more virtuous and a light in this dark world. Revealing that this is not where our hope is found, but it is in Jesus. But it's temporary. Right? We can put up with a lot when we know that it's purposeful and it's temporary. I think about a mother who is in labor. That mother will go through a lot of pain. Endure a lot of pain. I was amazed at my wife. I mean, I thought after our first child, Lena, the epidural wouldn't work. And so she felt everything. And I thought after Lena was born, in the pain that my wife went through, I thought, we're never going to have another child after this. But then she went through it again with Liesl and Charleston and Shepard. And as a guy, you step back and you're going, man, how can you do this? Why would you put yourself through this? Because in my wife's mind, she understands that there is a purpose and that this pain, it's it's temporary. And then you have the blessing of a child. And the same is true for us as as Christians. It's Purposeful. And it's temporary. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 4 17 through 18. For our present troubles are small and they, what church? And won't last very long. Yet they produce, see, there's a purpose. They produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on what, church? On things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. And so we don't back down. We hold on. We don't give up. We don't give in. We rise up. Because we're the victorious ones who serve the risen one. Jesus is our hope. And it may be that today some of you need to give your life to Jesus. You've been struggling. Maybe it's with your marriage, maybe it's financially. Maybe it's just with all the things that are going on in in our country right now and, and you've been asking the question, where can I find hope? And I'm telling you the answer is Jesus. And so have you given your life to Jesus today? Have you robed yourself in the blood of the Lamb that removes and washes away our past so that we can live in the present and in the future renewed. And today if you are a Christian but you've become anxious or stressed or discouraged, I want to I want to encourage you to refocus. I tell people all the time, listen, sometimes you just need to turn off the news. I'm not telling you to bury your head in the sand to where you don't know anything that's going on around you. In fact, people will ask me, how do you get by without watching the news? Because let me tell you something, if something big happens, I'm going to hear about it, okay? (laughs) I don't have to do that. And sometimes we need to turn that stuff off. We need to get off the news feeds from Facebook and and Instagram. Half this stuff isn't even true that we read half the time. And we need to focus on what is real and what's true. And that is our living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And today, if you want to give your life to Jesus, you can respond to the invitation. If you need, just help refocusing your attention as as a Christian today. We'd love to pray for you and encourage you in whatever way we can. But if you have a need, won't you come? As together we stand as we sing.